0: Um, we are rounding out our series in Colossians, believe it or not. It's hard to believe that it is coming to an end. I've really enjoyed it. It's been an encouragement to me, and I hope and pray it's been an encouragement to you. Um, but I want to tell you, this past couple of weeks have been a, um, a, a couple of victories for my family. Um, Daniel and Josiah have been playing fall baseball for the city of Raleigh. They did some, you know, all kinds of social distancing stuff so the kids could do that. Yeah, that's, that's cool The kids can do some normal things. And then my son Luke's basketball season has gotten started up. And, you know, when you play sports, when you do anything, when you compete at anything, it's not always the way that you want it to be. But over these past couple of weeks, I want to say that the Wallaces have been champions. <laughs> That's right. They just they Josiah, They, uh, they rounded out their with a win, and uh, I wasn't able to go there because with a lot of kids we get separated in different directions. I had to go and be with Luke, I believe, that night, and um, so I was following along in the app and getting texts, and all that kind of stuff. And I believe, if I'm if I'm wrong, you can correct me. Um, I don't think they're attention because I'm preaching, uh, but I believe that they started off behind a little bit, end up, and they came back a little bit. They ended up winning the game, and that was a cool thing. excited about that, we were real happy for him. but then they had a little tournament, and so his team got down really big in the very first inning, and then they battled back, and they ended up winning, and it was amazing, it was a walk-off hit, the kid hit it out, scored the runs, it was amazing, they won, won the championship, got a little trophy, got a, uh, uh, well, you can say a necklace, but that wouldn't be appreciated very much, Uh, (laughs) Thirteen. Guess what? You're already you already picking up on this, right? They came back and they won by what, like seven or eight weeks, right? Something like that. Yeah. And uh, it was really cool. It was a, it was a really neat experience. Luke got to hit some uh, clutch free throws to put him up and give him take the lead. And, and it's even worse if you, if you know anything about basketball. He was on the line and they got a, a foul on him. They called, you know they fouled him and so he had his two shots he was going to take. But then right after that, the guy that got the foul called on him got a technical. So he had to stand there with nobody around him to shoot those four shots. And I'm proud of him. He sunk them all. Yes. So I'm proud of all my kids and what they do. And even when, a lot of times, to be honest, and I try to tell them this, I'm actually a lot of times more proud when how they handle themselves in a losing situation. And, you know, unfortunately, that's life. We all have losing situations. But here's why I'm telling you this. I'm not telling you all this to simply brag. Are y'all getting that bumping noise off the? I'm causing. Y'all hearing that? Okay, good. I'm the only going to it. will drive me crazy but y'all be good.
1: <laughs> but here's what I'm telling you this. I'm not
0: doing this to do a bragging situation on my kids even though I guess I am a little bit. I'm telling you this because there's an important lesson in it. Is that it's not how you start, it's how you finish. In all three of those instances they had, their teams were down at different points, you know, felt like they weren't going to pull out the victory. They felt like, hey man, we're not going to win, you know, and I mean they had to overcome, they were feeling like, man, we just, we might as well quit because all these things, you know how it is, whether you play sports or not, if you're doing something that's difficult, if you're going through a difficult situation, there are times in your mind when you think, I just don't know if I'm going to be able to pull it out. I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to survive. I don't know if I'm going to be able to win. You fill in the blank. But here's the thing. Like we said, we'll say saying it again, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And that's a lesson that I was glad that they got to learn a little bit in their lives, and it was a good reminder for me because I forget sometimes just how difficult life may be, and when you want to quit, you cannot quit because it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Yeah. So we come to the end of the road in Colossians. Yeah. And if any of you are like me and you like 90s R and b that might well put a song in your brain, anybody else there with me? End of the road by voice to in. I'm going to tell, tell y'all about Jesus and boys for a later on. All right. <laughs> but we come to the end of the road in Colossians, the last chapter, the last passage of Scripture. And Paul often ends his letters, not just Colossians, but many of his letters, with these various greetings from people that maybe are with him. And he also sends greetings to people that might be in these particular churches or, or neighboring churches that he's writing to. And, and sometimes, if you're being honest, Being real, maybe you've been like me and you want to skim over those last things, they're like, oh yada yada yada. It's a bunch of names I can't pronounce, and maybe there's not a whole lot of depth in there. But I want to challenge you when you're reading scripture to make sure you spend time reading those parts too. And and that's what we're going to look at is these last few verses here in the book of Colossians today. Because to understand them though, to understand what's going on here, I think it's better to understand the entire purpose of the letter. And I know we've been talking about it for several weeks, and we've been looking at what Paul's been saying, and I want to refresh your memory of why Paul wrote this letter. If I can sum it up in just a few verses, we'll look at Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. This will remind us of why Paul Paul is writing this letter. This is a prayer that he prays for the church at Colossae, and I believe also for you and me. And so, from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. There's that word full bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. You see, Paul prayed for this church, and I believe you can understand he's praying for you as well. He's praying that we would grow up and stand strong in the Lord to the end. That's just his purpose. He wanted them to grow up and a to be fully full of all the wisdom and knowledge that God can give so that they can accomplish what God is calling them to accomplish. You see, God has done the heavy lifting, but he wants us, he wanted them, to hold on to Jesus. And I believe that should be our goal as Christians. is to cling to Jesus and hold on to the very end, hold on to the confidence that we have in Christ. So Paul is writing this letter, and he winds up this letter in what some people might want to just skim over, and I believe there's some valuable lessons that we can learn in his closing thoughts in this great book, this great letter. There's several names that are in here this morning that we're going to look at. We're not going to look at every single one because there's quite a few, but there's a few want us to look at. There's some lessons we can learn from them about them, about how we can stand strong and be faithful to the end. The first one's this serve like Tychicus. Aren't you glad your mama didn't name you Tychicus, all right? You know, that may have been a really cool name back then, you know, but it's it's different for us. But Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul writes, Tychicus will tell you about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts I want to challenge you to serve like Tychicus. If you want to stay faithful, if you want to stay strong, if you want to hang on to the end until Jesus returns or until you pass on and then Jesus comes down to claim us all, if you want to hold on, the first thing you need to do is serve like Tychicus. You need to be reminded. You need to be a person who's called out by others because of your faithful service. Imagine if the church did all they could to just hear Jesus say one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Don't you think the world could be a much better place if that was every single one of our goals is to live every day wanting and waiting to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Be like Tychicus, who's called out in this letter. who It's been saved and stored for all time to hear this God was a faithful servant, a beloved Are you serving the church? Are you serving the church? Last week, if you were waiting for that one, we talked about the fact that our purpose in our lives is to tell people about Jesus. If you have been covered by the blood of Jesus, your purpose is to tell other people. It's not for other people to go. It's for all of us to go and spread the gospel. But one of the ways that I believe we do that is by serving other people in Jesus name. And so I asked you this morning, are you serving the church? The next question I want to ask you is, are you faithful in your service? Is it over and over? Are you faithful in it? Do you stick it out? Do you do it even when you don't want to? Because that's what it is all about. Here's what you want to understand. Here's what I need to understand. is that faithful servants encourage hearts. He told about Tychicus there. He said that you, he wanted him to go, that he may know how we are, and that he may encourage your hearts. You see, when people are faithful in serving Jesus Christ, it encourages other people's hearts. You've heard me say this kind of thing many times before, but I don't know any of us that see somebody who's a complainer and who's negative and only takes, 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 and when you see him coming, you're like, oh yeah, here comes that box of joy. <laughs> we don't do that. We don't do that, but when people are servant-hearted, when people are and strengthen and encourage our hearts. Well, how about instead of always taking that, how about we make sure we give that too and we serve other people in Jesus' name? There are no limits to the opportunities to serve. We as a church family have opportunities to serve here and we give you opportunities all the time as a church body to serve in the community. We're going to do even more of that this next month in December. But there's also opportunities as you're just walking around in your daily life to serve other people in Jesus' name. And sometimes what you may think of as minuscule, a great act of service might be to simply pick up the phone and call somebody or text them and just say, I'm praying for you. It can be something as small as that or it can be as large as as anything you can dream of. Well, another person that we can learn from in this passage in these last few verses of of the gospel or the letter from uh, Colossi. Is to change like Mark. Look at verse 10. Aristarchus. Tychicus isn't looking so bad now, right? Aristarchus. My fellow prisoner greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Concerning him whom you have received instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now, at, on a surface glass. You may be thinking. He just says. Basically, Mark says hi. and Make sure you welcome him. You know, make sure if he comes to you, welcome him, you know, greet him, you know, he greets you and he sends his greetings if he comes, just, you know, be nice to him. And you may think, well, what is the, the purpose of that? But you got to know who Mark is. I want you to, if you want to, I'm going to read it for you. If you want to turn that you can to Mark uh, 14, beginning in verse 51 It's the last few chapters of the gospel of Mark. And it says this, and a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. Now, before we go too much further, I want to give you a little background here. This is when Jesus was in the garden. He was praying, and then he came. The people came. They arrested him. Judas betrays him. They arrest him, and everything breaks loose. You know, at one point Peter chops off the ear of the uh, servant of the high priest. And, you know, I mean, it's just one thing after another. And here's just this little footnote at the end of chapter 14 of the Gospel of Mark. Where it says, and a young man followed him with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. He was basically kind of running around in, his, in his, his jammies, you know? It says, and they seized him, but he left the linen cloth and ran away naked. That is a desire to get away. Am I, am I right? I mean, you're like, I don't care. I'm running through this woods buck naked. It don't matter to me. If I got to do that to get away, that's why I'm. Most scholars agree that this young man that's just mentioned as a young man was probably Mark himself who was writing this letter, this gospel. So in a way, he tells about himself. He doesn't quite tell it's him, but he's saying, I ran away when everything got tough. And he wasn't alone in that, but there's a pattern. In Acts chapter 15, we've got uh, when Paul and Barnabas are about to be sent out on the missionary journey to uh, help spread the gospel, especially to the Gentiles. They want to go and here's what happens in the beginning of verse 37. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas. Mark and sailed for Cyprus but Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to go to the grace of the Lord we've got a guy named what Mark that has already done what again run I don't know if he ran naked this time I don't think that's a repeating part of the pattern but he ran when things got tough when things got difficult he took off and left and when Barnabas wants to give him another shot Paul's like nope nope no, I cannot trust that guy. I do not want him to go. And so it was such a dis- disagreement that Paul and Barnabas, these good friends, these good messengers of the Lord that work well together, decide to part ways and, and split up. Now, God took that bad situation. He made good from it. But you see, there's a pattern is that Mark is a runner. He get when things get tough. He takes off. All right. You're, are you seeing You know what lesson you're trying to learn from Mark? Don't run, maybe. But he's only running. Mark Evanelli was a runner. He was controlled by fear. Maybe you sit in here today and maybe you're controlled by fear. Maybe you don't physically run, but maybe you sort of emotionally run. Maybe physically run. Maybe you've run from relationships that you should have stuck it out and Maybe you've run from positions and jobs and Circumstances that you should have thought it through and, and, and hung on. Maybe you've already checked out emotionally of other relationships and friendships. Or maybe right now this, the COVID-19 has got you terrified and, and petrified and you don't know what to do and you're controlled by fear. You just want to run. You just want to pull away from everybody and pull away from everything. But here's the lesson I want you to learn from Mark. Mark might have been controlled by. And Mark might have been a guy who ran when things got tough. But Mark grew up. Mark grew up. He changed his character. He gained strength and courage. How do we know that? Look at 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very useful to me for my ministry. This guy that Paul writes about in Colossae in his first imprisonment. We already know Mark has made the change because he talks about he's with him and make sure you welcome him when he comes to be with you. But here in 2 Timothy, one of probably Paul's later letters, maybe close to when he's near the end of his life when he's imprisoned again. Here you go. You've got this message that he shares and he says, I need Mark with me. Mark is useful for me in my ministry. That doesn't sound like the runner, does it? That doesn't sound like the dude who ran naked in the woods, does it? That sounds like a guy who has changed, who has grown up, and he's got he's useful in his ministry. No, you're not down by your past mistakes. I don't care how many times you've run through the woods. <laughs> Metaphorically speaking. I don't care how many times you screwed up and messed up and how many times you've let people down. You are not owned by mistakes if you have the grace of God in your life. God has taken some people who have done horrible things and he has changed lives through them, in them, and with them. And just like Mark grew up and got past his crippling fear that caused him to run when things got tough, you're not bound by your mistakes. With the help of the Holy Spirit, you and I can change, but the question is, will we? Will we? Let the Almighty God, who is the Holy Spirit, that raised Jesus from the dead, that lives within us who are Christians. Will we allow the Holy Spirit to change us and shape us into who we're called to be? We also want to do like another person we find here in these last few verses. We want to pray like Epaphras. So we want to serve like Tychicus, change like Mark, pray like Epaphras. Look at verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ Jesus, greets you, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, we don't hear a lot in scripture about people, you know, praying for people to hit the lottery. We're rich or wealthy. We hear people praying about standing strong in the Lord. And maybe that's what we need to focus our prayers on. Not so much the physical stuff that oftentimes we pray for. And yes, we should pray for that. And we're called to pray for people who are sick. And we're called to pray for all these physical circumstances. We talked about it uh, recently about how we need to pray about everything because God cares about everything. But shouldn't the focus of our prayer life be about people's souls? Yes. Shouldn't it be about people's souls? And we need to pray like Epaphras. And that word that the English Standard Version translates as struggling on your behalf, struggling on your behalf in his prayers, is where we get uh, the word agonize from in the Greek. Agonizing in prayer. When was the last time that your prayer life could be described as agonizing and struggling and wrestling in prayer? But that's the idea that Paul's trying to paint here, is are you wrestling and struggling and agonizing in prayer? strong and firm. It's also a word that's used in different places in Scripture about competing like in the Olympic Games. Are you ready to fight and wrestle and fight to the end to pray for people to be stronger in Christ and stand strong for the gospel? So what's your prayer life look like? What does your prayer life look like? Does it look like struggling for others or does it look like lip service where you just say, I'm going to say what I feel like I need to say. I'm going to thank God for my food and, you know, thank God that I had another day of life. Are you going to start wrestling and agonizing and keep agonizing, keep wrestling in prayers? Are your prayers only for yourself? Or are they like the papyrus who prayed for others? Do you struggle for the kingdom of God in prayer? Do you pray that others mature and they're fully assured of God's will? Is that what keeps you up at night when you're worried and you want to pray? Are you praying for other people to stand strong in the Lord? I want to encourage you and challenge you right now to continue to pray for movement church and where we can have a more permanent home to make a difference in the community. I believe we're making a great difference in the community right now, but I believe God's got somewhere in store for us where we can have a base of operations to help change the world. Are we praying that God would change? through us, starting with us. We also need to learn from somebody here verse 14. This one's a little bit unfortunately negative. Don't be like Demas. If you read verse 14, it doesn't sound all that bad. It says, Luke, the beloved physician, greets you as does Demas. So at this point, when he's writing this letter to Colossae, it's a good situation. Demas is doing well. That doesn't sound too bad, but look at Second Timothy chapter four verse ten. As we already talked about, one of his later letters to Timothy, he writes in verse chapter four verse ten: "For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica." Demas couldn't hold on, and Demas deserted him. I don't know what happened to Demas. I prayed. I have prayed. I'm like, well, I know I can't change. My friend. I'm like, I hope Demas came back. I hope Demas came back to the faith, but at some point he got this story about the things of this world and he loved this world too much and he deserted Paul. And at this one point in Colossi, as he's writing this letter to Colossi, Demas was a blessing, but something changed. Something changed. Like that seed in the parable that Jesus taught about that was cast into thorns. Evidently, the worries of this life grew up and, and choked him out. Because he loved this world too much and all it had to offer him. But you and I need to learn from his mistake, learn from his his failure here, is that we need to be firm and strong to the end. To cling to Jesus. Be faithful to the end. Stand strong and keep your focus on Christ. But unfortunately, too many times we keep our focus on this world we want all these things that we think are shiny and are, are glittering, but they're just garbage. We spend our time focused on things that aren't going to last, and we give up eternity for things that are going to last for a matter of moments. But we cannot keep our focus on this world because it will let us down every single time. So learn, as I've learned, to keep our focus on the kingdom of God. To keep our focus on the kingdom of God, not this world, because it will betray you every time. How horrible would it be to betray your brothers and sisters in Christ, and most importantly, to betray your Lord Jesus Christ for a world that's going to turn its back on you? And it's not going to offer anything of value for eternity. Here's another person. This one's a, a woman that we learned about. In verse 15, sacrifice like Nympha. Look at verse 15. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church in her house. And so learn to sacrifice like Nympha. I I love the fact that there's this woman there that is allowing the church to gather in her home. And and I want to tell you, we've got some amazing volunteers that help right now that have helped in the past at Hodge Road and helped in all different ways when we're online and digital. And I'm telling you, it's work. But can you imagine every week opening your home for the entire church family to come together week in and week out? Not only did she serve, she opened her home so the church could gather. She sacrificed her time, her money, her food, her energy, everything, so the church could gather and worship God and be ready to go out and share the gospel again. So the question I want you to answer the question I have to answer is do you sacrifice for the church? Now hear me. Hear me, yes, in a sense, our local church body is sort of an organization. You know, there are legal things that you have to do to to be a, a church that's recognized and all that sort of stuff. But make no mistake, the church is a living body, an organism And we are called to serve the church and we're called to sacrifice for the church. Do you sacrifice for the church to grow? And another thing I've got to answer and you've got to answer is this. Does your sacrifice really look like sacrifice? Really what I'm asking is, is it truly sacrifice?
1: Because I've heard it said many years ago, I didn't
0: make up this statement, but I believe it's pretty true, is that if it doesn't cost, it doesn't count. If it doesn't cost you something, it doesn't really count as sacrifice because the meaning of the word sacrifice is to give it up. And ultimately, in the truest, purest sense of the word, is to give up your life. That's what a sacrifice was and is. Does your sacrifice cost? Does it really cost and and cost you time and energy and even your very life? We need volunteers to serve, to be out in the community, to serve right here. People need Jesus, and our our, our vision statement is to keep moving until the neighborhood knows Jesus, and the neighborhood is the world, the entire world, and we need volunteers, we need people to serve and to sacrifice so that the world would know Jesus, and the world will not know Jesus if we don't work together, all sacrificing for one. challenge like Archippus. Look at verse 17. And say to me, or excuse me, and say to Archippus, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. If you doze off this morning, especially if I watch on Facebook you the pajamas. <laughs> if you have dozed off this morning, I want you to wake up for this. It's time, if you haven't already, to take the challenge just like Archivist did. Paul calls this guy out, man. That's a that's like Paul, right? I mean, they're reading this letter and maybe Archivist is sitting in the back. Maybe he's kind of been goofed off a little bit. I don't know what the story was, but he's sitting there. And then Paul's like, oh, and by the way, they're reading this out loud, right? The whole church is there. They're reading this out loud. And, and Paul says, and say to Archivist, see that you fulfill the ministry that you received the Lord. He's like, prepare for it. And ultimately, like we've been talking about sort of all through the series is we've got to grow up. We've got to grow up and take hold of that ministry. Like he said in verse 9 from chapter 1 that we read at the very beginning, be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Fully pleasing to God. I put that in there, but to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience Because if you're breathing, right now, you've got an area in your life. I've got an area in my life that I need to grow up in, and you need to grow up in. Maybe it's repentance. Maybe it's like Mark. You need to change your life, and you need to repent from something that's been holding on to you, and it's been eating you alive from the inside. Maybe that's the area of life you need to grow up in, and you need to repent. Maybe it's your Bible reading. Maybe your Bible is dusty and unused and it's 10 years old like I heard somebody say this week it's 10 years old but it looks brand new spine's not even cracked Mm -hmm. maybe it's bible reading where you need to spend time every day digging into God's word getting filled up with the words of life so that you can share the word of life maybe you need to grow up in prayer maybe you've been like me in times in my life when it's just lip service when you're just saying you're praying so you can say you pray Are you praying for brothers and sisters to grow up in the Lord? Maybe the area of your life that you need to grow up in is serving. You need to say, look, I'm not going to just seek to be served, but I'm going to serve just like Jesus came to do. And we know we're not better than Jesus. Maybe the area of our life we need to, to grow up in is our sacrifice. Maybe we need to be willing to give up things that are important to us so that other people can know Jesus. And maybe, just maybe, the area of our life we need to grow up in is our faithfulness. Just hanging in there day in and day out, being an encouragement to other people. Your presence is a gift. You know that your presence is a gift. And that's why it says in Hebrews, it says, don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. Your presence encourages one another, encourages each other. And I know this is a weird time right now. When. You know, people are online and people are, are struggling and can't always meet face to face, but make sure you're being present, even if you're online, you're you're speaking out and you're encouraging, you're reaching out to people throughout the week, not just on Sundays, but encouraging one another. But the answer is this. Whatever area you need to grow up in, the important thing is this. Hold on and fulfill your ministry. Eugene Peterson described discipleship like this: and Discipleship is just a fancy word for following Jesus. He described it as a long obedience in the same direction. It's not some magic pill. It's just clinging to Jesus for as long as you can, as hard as you can, and when you get of shaken off by the things of this world and you let your grip go of Jesus, you run and you fall at His feet again and you just hang on for the journey. Like it talks about in Hebrews about you throw off everything that, you know, the sin that so easily entangles you throw off the weights that are holding you back and you run and you fix your eyes on Jesus, you run that's what is a long obedience in the same direction and so God's not calling you to figure out some mythical, magical formula He's calling you to hold on Cling to Jesus. So that's how we stay faithful to the end. Cling to Jesus and building our life in Him. Because I am here to tell you, and I believe you know this, but maybe you just need to hear it one more time. If you build your life on anything else. but if you build